BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Hyder, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. Today's guest is the one and only Marie Forleo. Now, if you're not familiar with Marie, I don't even know what to say because this woman is an icon. She is an entrepreneur, a coach, a speaker, an author, a philanthropist. Really, the list goes on. She is a remarkable woman. And let me tell you, today's episode really just solidified that in my mind. When I met her, I can't tell you, like she just had this energy that she brought. It's warmth. It's this energy of wanting to give. And that's what she brought to this episode. It is such a juicy conversation full of tangible takeaways from helping you to become the best version of yourself, pulling yourself out of tougher situations, which Marie did. You know, her life hasn't always been perfect. No one's is. And she goes into detail about that. She also talks about how to undo certain belief systems we have ingrained in us from maybe our childhood, maybe a traumatic event that's happened. But she's just so incredibly knowledgeable. And I love people like this because their whole mission is to make our lives better. My personal favorite part of this conversation was to do with money because I think that money is such an interesting topic and conversation because we have such deep beliefs about it, you know, and so many of us can maybe have a little bit of lack mentality around money. Maybe someone is in debt. And this episode and this conversation with Marie really talks about money and the energy around it, the tangible ways that we can get out of debt if anyone is in debt. We really get real in this episode and it is just so juicy and so value packed that I think you guys are really going to love it. It is probably one of my favorite interviews that I've done. So I hope you guys really, really walk away from this with action items for yourself on how to make your life better. Before we get into the show, I want to share this week's review, which comes to us from Priya Patel. And she says episode with Nitsan, that's the header. 
She says, what an amazing episode. It was Sif herself who had recommended it when I had asked on on her Instagram an episode for someone who's trying to go full time into content creation. Absolutely loved this one. And now I'm looking forward to more episodes. Also a podcast where I would re-listen to episodes, which I find a rare thing to do. Love it. Thank you so much for leaving this review, Priya. I'm so grateful. Guys, if you have a couple of minutes, please take the time to rate and review the show. All you have to do is open the Apple podcast app, scroll down to the bottom where it says rate and review the show in the rating section. If you feel like I've earned it, please leave me a five-star rating. And in the review section, bear your soul, okay? Bear your soul. Tell me anything you want me to hear from favorite guests, topics you want to see more of, maybe guest requests, whatever it is you want to tell me, please tell me there because my goal is to show up as the best host and continue to improve week over week. The more feedback you give me, the better. The more suggestions you give me, the better. And when it comes to guest suggestions specifically, I take them so seriously. Anytime I see someone requesting a guest, I am on that shit immediately. And I can say that both Lauren Ireland and Melissa Wood were on account of your requests. So I really do take them seriously. I really do read everything that comes through and I'm so, so grateful. So if if you have a second to do that, please, please do that. And this week's hot tip. So I received recently a perfume from my friend Maggie Sellers. So she was over for dinner at our new house. She brought over this perfume as a housewarming gift, which was so sweet of her. Shout out Maggie Sellers. But this perfume is called Missing Person from Fleur. And listen, it was trending on TikTok. It was trending on Instagram. And it is for a reason. I can confirm that it's worth the hype. It smells incredible. I can't even explain what smell this is. It's just so unlike anything that I have ever worn before. It's beautiful. So if you guys are wondering, it's worth the hype and I recommend you get it. All right. With that, let's welcome Marie Forleo to the Dream Bigger podcast. I actually found you because of your book, Everything is Figure Outable, okay? And it's really such a fantastic read. So can you explain this concept? Yes. So this notion that everything is figure outable, first of all, it's super simple and deceptively powerful. I'll tell you the quick story about where this idea came from and how it has impacted my life and now um, impacted millions of people's lives. So my mom is this super interesting character. She, God bless her, she's in her 70s now. She's almost 75. She is about 5'4". She looks like this character from the 50s, June Cleaver. She has the tenacity of a bulldog and she cusses (laughs) like a truck driver. She is super spicy. She grew up the daughter of two alcoholic parents And she learned really by necessity how to stretch a dollar bill around the block like five times. And one of the things my mom told me when she was little was that she made herself a promise because she had such a rough upbringing that she knew when she grew up, she would find a way to a better life. And so one of my fondest memories from my childhood was sitting in our kitchen together in New Jersey, in the Burbs, and on a Sunday afternoon, clipping out coupons because my mom was so passionate about teaching me all the different ways that our family could save money. And she also taught me about the fact that at that time, and you got to get this is the 80s, that if you saved up what were known as proofs of purchase, 
So these little barcodes at the back of like cereal boxes or milk cartons that if you saved up a bunch of them and you mailed them in, the brands would send you something called brand premiums, which were like a free cookbook or a set of cooking utensils or my mom's favorite possession, which was this tiny little AM FM transistor radio that she got from Tropicana Orange Juice for free. Wow. So it looked like an orange. It was orange. It had a little red and white straw sticking out of the side. That was the antenna. And my mom is someone who loves music and she loves doing things. So as a little girl, I knew the way I could find my mom was listening for the sound of this tinny little radio. So one day I come home and I hear like, I'm every woman, like playing off in the background, right? And as I approach my house, the sound was actually coming from a weird orientation. It was coming from up. And I look mm-hmm. up and I see my mom perched on the roof of our two-story house, like very precariously with this little orange radio next to her butt. And I was like, mom, are you okay? Like, what are you doing on the roof? It was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And she yells down. She's like, Ray, I'm fine. The roof had a leak. I called the roofer. He said it was going to be at least 500 bucks. I said, screw that. I'm doing it myself. So oh my God. I know. I know. Right. So I'm tiny seeing this tiny woman on the roof. And I'm like, okay. So another day I come home from school and I hear the radio playing like in the back of the house and it's like another jam. And I go and it turns out my mom's in the bathroom and I push open the bathroom door. Right. And I see dust particles in the air and there's like pipes sticking out of the wall. It was the bathroom. And I'm like, mom, are you okay? What happened? Looks like a bomb went off in here. She's like, Ray, I'm fine. She's like, the tiles had cracks in them. I didn't want the bathroom to get moldy. So I'm retiling the entire bathroom. Now you got to get, my mom is high school educated, right? Wow. This is the eighties. So this is like pre-internet. This is pre-YouTube. This is pre-Google. One day it was in the fall. I'm coming home from school and I approach my house and it is completely dark, like no lights on, and there's no music, there's no sound. And for an Italian-American home, it's like not a good sign. I had this pit in my stomach. I'm opening the door. I'm like, where is my mom? Like, mm-hmm. is something wrong? Where's the sound of her little radio? And I'm like tiptoeing in the house. And all of a sudden, I hear these click, 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 like coming from the kitchen. And I walk over and I see my mom hunched over the kitchen table, look like an operating room, light coming down from above. There was like screwdrivers, there was electrical tape, and in about a dozen pieces was a completely dismantled little Tropicana orange radio. And I'm like, mom, what happened? That's like your favorite little thing. Are you okay? And she's like, Ray, I'm fine. You know, the dial was off and the antenna was a little busted. She's like, so so I'm fixing it. And I stood there watching her work her magic. And I finally asked the question that I should have always asked, which was this. I was like, hey, mom, how do you know how to do so many different things that you've never done before, mm-hmm. but nobody's shown you how to do it? And she puts down her screwdriver and she uh, cocks her head to the side. And she's like, Ray, what are you talking about? She's like, nothing in life is that complicated. If you just roll up your sleeves, you get in there and you do it. Everything is figure outable. And I was like, everything is figure outable. Everything is, oh my God, everything is figure outable. And that phrase just somehow got implanted into my soul. And I'm not kidding you, from that moment on and still to this day, it has been this driving force that has helped me choose the best college classes to get jobs that were almost impossible to get, to get out of toxic relationships, to get into really good ones, to do every single thing I've done in my life, including getting out of debt, starting a business, you know, everything I've done in my career and in my my wellness journey, my relationships, my health and my well-being has been rooted back to this phrase that everything is figureoutable. So it's a philosophy, 
It's a belief. It's a mantra that can help anyone unlock their innate power to be incredibly creative, to have ingenuity, and to persevere when there's something they really believe in. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I was on a major sauna and ice bath kick when I was in Toronto. I found this like incredible space, Othership, where I would go for contrast therapy. And I, I've just become obsessed with sauna and cold plunging. But it was so funny. I would go with my brother and Nish and, you know, we'd sit in the sauna and I would show them that, guys, I don't really sweat. I would have to spend like 10 minutes in the sauna before one bead of sweat would come out. I mean, it's like the most insane thing. But if you put me in a scenario with work where it's high pressure, I am out here sweating. So I was like, what's going on here? Because I sweat really easily if it's a stressful work situation, but I don't sweat really if I'm going to the gym or if I'm at the sauna. And I found out, thanks to Nez, that our bodies create different types of sweat depending on the scenario. So for example, stress sweat is totally different and even comes from a different type of sweat gland than movement or heat-based sweat. Isn't that crazy? Now, if you're not aware. Nez deodorant is a clean aluminum free dermatologist tested brand. It popped off on Instagram. I really needed to see what the hype was about. And let me tell you, I am a fan. Basically, Nez deodorants are customized for different occasions. They work with different formulas for your different sweat moments, and they're available in workout sash, board meeting and date ready. Every scent smells amazing, I have to say. And one of my team members was in LA and I gave her a couple of them because I had six and we were just like opening them up and smelling them. They're really, really good. Nez gives you the right protection and right fragrance at the right time because you know what? We all need that. Nez has come up with a special offer for you guys. Visit nezcare.com and use promo code dreambigger, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's N-E-Z-C-A-R-E dot com and use code DREAMBIGGER, all one word, for 10% off your entire order. The promo code is valid through June 30th, 2023. Enjoy smelling amazing. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
Hey girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all. But then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. You grew up with this phrase, right? And it was kind of in the back of your mind that you can't be in like a situation shitty enough to like never get out of, you know what I mean? Like you always had that. So like everyone gets into suboptimal situations in their lives, but you always knew you could pull yourself out of it and like in, in some sort of way. Totally. So talk to me about belief systems and where someone can even start if they have ingrained with victim mentality their whole life. And then today, maybe they're listening to this podcast and they're like, huh, like what's step one? Yeah. I think step one is to realize that all beliefs are a choice and all choices can be changed. Mm -hmm. So really a belief is nothing more than a thought that you repeat often enough that then you accept that as reality. And so for example, for me, right? As a kid, I believed in Santa Claus because that's what I was taught. And then all of a sudden I got new information. That's like, <laughs> that's totally bullshit. There is no, right? Hopefully no seven-year-olds are listening to this podcast where I just completely ruined an experience. But point is, most of us have many instances in our life where at once we believed one thing and then all of a sudden we got new information and we shifted our belief. We expanded. Maybe we believe something completely opposite. In human history, at a time, all of us believed the world was flat. And I understand that there are still people out there (laughs) who think it still is, but it's not. Right. So it's like we have an ability to investigate, examine, be curious about our beliefs and say, what else might be true? Mm-hmm. And I think it's great to have that spirit of curiosity and compassion for yourself. So if you hear yourself saying, oh, it's always going to be this way for me, I am never going to be financially solvent. I'm never going to find the relationship of my dreams. I am never going to fill in the blank with whatever that heart's desire is. Could it be possible that that's not the truth? And what else might be true instead? So what are examples of something someone can do to Mm -hmm. kind of shift their belief systems? For example, for me, when things have gone wrong or I've gotten no's, what I've done in my mind is looked to someone else who it's happened for. And I'm like, if it's happened for them, it's going to happen for me too. And every no is my path to a yes, Yes. right? So what are other tools that someone else can have in their toolbox that can help them shift their belief systems? I think you just highlighted it. It's looking around and seeing if there are other people that prove otherwise. Right. You're like, oh, well, someone, you know, in this particular instance, you keep getting no's, but I'm sure you probably also educated yourself if it was around business and you started hearing enough stories about, wow, most successful business owners learn to accept rejection and keep going, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this is one step closer to my yes. So I think another tool that we can use is to look for examples out in the real world of people who have created some kind of result in the same universe or area that we may want. And I think it comes back to a fundamental understanding that all of us have the same innate power. We are all creators. We all have the ability to create our experience of reality. Mm -hmm. Now, we come from different places. We have different backgrounds. We have different beliefs. We have different circumstances. All that's very true. But on the inside, we're all creators. 
we're all equipped with the ability to control two things in our lives, our thoughts, meaning our attitudes, and our actions. Everything else outside of our control. But if you can understand that you have the ability to direct, to change, to transform your thoughts, meaning your beliefs and how you think and how you feel, and also the actions you take, I think that understanding in and of itself then gives you, it's almost like a little springboard into change. So looking for examples outside of yourself of people who may have achieved or created something you want to create and go, oh, well, if they did that, I can too. What do I need to learn? Who do I need to talk to? What might I need to shift in terms of my thoughts or my actions to help get me on that path? I want to talk to you about the concept of dreams, right? Because we all have them and they are often like our North Star when it comes to getting to our destination or whatever, like guides a lot of decisions. What about the concept of starting before you're ready? Oh, yes. I think it's so important. I don't think anyone is ever ready. I certainly was not when we launched our company. And I don't think you ever are. There's so many people that I speak to who are like, oh, but what if I fuck it up? You know, so let's let's talk about that. So baseline notion, you wouldn't have the dream in your heart if you already didn't have what it takes to achieve it. That's one of my core beliefs for all of us. So if there's something that is in your heart right now that keeps bubbling up, it keeps you up at night, you wake up in the morning, you journal about it, you talk about it, you fantasize about it, there is a seed of possibility in there that I believe is your soul moving you towards your ultimate purpose of experience in this lifetime. So that's the baseline. If you have dreams, you already have what it takes to achieve them or something in there that's even better than what you can imagine. This notion of starting before you're ready. So as a coach, I've been working with people now for over 22 years. And one of the most common refrains I hear, but Marie, I'm not ready yet. I need another degree. I need more experience. For me, I started my company when I was 23 years old. So I was incredibly insecure about my young age. So I was like, oh, I I need to be older to be taken seriously. I don't have enough experience. And for some people, they're like, I'm too old. The boat's already passed. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm not a 30 under 30 at this point, like it's crazy. The stories we tell ourselves. It's wild. And I remember feeling that. I even remember thinking to myself when things started to gain traction for me, wasn't until like maybe 27 or 28 but I already felt over the hill, which is a strange concept when at current, most of us and God willing, many of us are living until our 80s, 90s and over 100. So it is wild. But I think this notion of starting before you're ready, it's probably one of the traits that in my experience, talking to some of the world's most successful people, accomplished people, creative people, they all start before they're ready. They don't need to have it all figured out because A, everything is figure outable. And this is another mantra that saves me. Clarity comes from engagement, not thought. So, so many of us want to have everything perfectly planned in advance, right? We want to have, here's our game plan. This is exactly how it's going to work. I'm going to reach this milestone and then this is going to happen on this timeline. And that is not reality. But if you come back to this notion that clarity comes from engagement, not thought, you don't have to have it all figured out in advance. You just have to start going. And here's what else is cool about that. When you start before you're ready, You often gain such valuable feedback, not just from the outside world, but from your own body, from your own natural intelligence, things that you couldn't have ever conjured up reading a book, listening to a podcast, or just theorizing about it. And so starting before you're ready gets you in the game and you don't need to have confidence to start before you're ready. You actually gain confidence as a byproduct of your experience. It's the concept of sometimes like 
doing the action and then the thought and beliefs were to follow. Yes. So like, for example, like the concept of like, okay, I am not where I want to be necessarily in my career, but I'm going to show up like the person who has that already. I'm going to behave your way into it. Exactly. And I think it's like such a powerful thing because I truly, Marie, I've never met someone who's like anyone who's successful being like, you know what? My idea was completely fleshed out and it was perfect. (laughs) And no, no notes. I just went and it was perfect. And it was exactly how I thought. And everyone loved it. And the money just came pouring in and there was all green lights all the way to the finish. Literally never happened. It's never happened. So I think like people talk themselves out of like feeling, I don't know, worthy of that idea of theirs. And Oftentimes, it's like you just have to do it. You do. And I think one of the secrets to that is getting yourself around, like putting yourself in an environment where other people are doing that thing too. So when I first started out and I was, first I'd worked on Wall Street, then I was in the world of magazine publishing and the kind of editorial world, and there were no real entrepreneurs around me. So most of my friends at that time, like they had nine to five jobs, which is awesome, but it just wasn't the life that I wanted to lead. Mm -hmm. And I had all these weird dreams. And this was back in the early 2000s when no one had ever heard of a life coach really like that. It was just not in the zeitgeist yet. It was too early. And the moment I started meeting other people who were doing online businesses and like stuff that again was so brand new, I was like, whoa, everything else became possible. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier, belief systems. Like I started to be able to live into a new possibility, a new belief system because I put myself in the right environment. We're sitting here recording this podcast and I'm looking at a plant right now. And I think people are very much like plants. So some plants are designed to thrive, let's say in a desert. They don't need a lot of water. They need a lot of sunshine. They can weather like really cold nights and really hot days. And that's how they thrive. And then there's other plants that are going to thrive in like a rainforest, right? So it's like they need all the water possible. They can't have that much sunlight. They need really damp soil. And if you're an entrepreneur and let's say you're like a desert, you know, beautiful flower and you put yourself in the rainforest, like you're going to die. You're not in the right environment. It's not going to thrive for you. Same thing is true on the flip side. So when we want to start before we're ready and we want to shift our belief system and really get ourselves in new possibilities, like put yourself in the right environment for you to thrive. Get yourself around people who are living into what you know is possible for you. And I think just traction happens faster, ideas happen faster, and growth happens faster if you're not doing it in isolation. I completely agree with you. I think we are absolutely a product of our environment. Even for me, right? I've talked about this before, but I'm from Toronto originally. And coming to LA has been such an interesting experience because literally everyone around me is building incredible businesses. That is what is in my periphery. And so the benchmarks now that I set for myself are just completely different. And I've seen this happen so many times where like someone moves to New York for the start of their career. Their drive is different because what they're seeing as like normal is completely different too. Correct. The context that they're in, the amount. I was talking with a friend of mine the other night and her dad has managed her money her whole life. And she's reaching a big milestone birthday. And she's like, I think my ambitions have kind of outreached my dad. And I said, yeah. So like what he considers success is just from a different time and a different era. And it's almost smaller than what she has now exposed herself to. I'm like, girl, you need to get yourself another money manager to get another perspective. Because it's very true. The goals that she has for herself are so far beyond where she came from. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't make one or the other like better or worse, but it's different. 
Totally. And you have to respect those differences and put yourself around people that are in alignment with the kind of ambitions and possibilities that you want to live into. What are some tangible ways that someone can change their environment or what they're exposed to? Because, you know, some people are lucky. They have like really supportive friends and family and like easy access to other people who they're inspired by. Others, not so much. So what are some tangible things people can do? I think one of the best things everyone can do, especially in this age, is be really conscious about what you are feeding your mind and your soul on a daily basis. So someone could be listening to this right now and be like, okay, great for you. You could leave, you know, Toronto and come to LA. I don't have that possibility right now. If anyone's saying something like that, first of all, absolutely cool. You are where you are at this moment, but you can bloom where you're planted because we have access to technology. So to be able to fill, if you pay attention to podcasts, if you pay attention to social media, if you like reading things online in terms of newsletters, whatever it is, to curate that, really, really curate that. Even where you go locally, there are going to be different vibes. You're going to feel much different. I notice this all the time because energy is very big in my life. So is intuition. I'm going to feel very different if I go to like a local bar versus if I go to a cafe where they're really focused on sustainable food and creativity and art. So you can put yourself in physical environments and you can curate what you allow in your mind and your body and your soul, what you listen to, what you read, who you're around, that is totally possible. And those are really tangible steps that they're not dependent on your geography at this moment. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And this was, I was actually speaking to a friend about this and she was saying that we, the concept of like, you're the sum of the five people you're with the most. Those five people can be authors. They can be people whose TED Talks you listen to, podcasters. You get to choose. And if that is constantly what you're exposing yourself to and that's the kind of energy you're taking in, that's going to become your normal. Whereas like, I don't know, if you're constantly absorbing like gossip magazines or whatever. Negative news. Yeah, yeah. negative news. Then that's what's going to... It fills your brain. It it changes your neural pathways. It changes how you think. It changes how you dream. It changes your reference points. It changes everything. I even pay attention. Like I love music and I love dance. And I pay attention to even how music how certain tunes make me feel. And if I feel like the vibe is going down or I I start contracting or crunching up or it just hurts my head, I'm like, nope, got to change that station. And there's other music where my, it feels like on a cellular level, everything opens up, everything's receptive, there's joy, there's possibility. And it might sound a little out there, but it's like when you start refining your senses and you really start paying attention to your environment, you can start to design it to uplift you. And then honestly, a lot of people will say, well, I don't have anyone around me. It's like, well, you be that leader then. Why don't yeah. you start a little coffee chat, even if it's two or three people that you meet once every two weeks in your local community to talk about your dreams. It could be that simple. Hey, what are you dreaming of? What are you creating? What's next for you in your career or your personal life or your health journey? And you can start that little mastermind locally if you want that. But there is there is no reason to be held back now. Like there is no excuse not to make it for yourself. I agree. My husband always makes fun of me because I'm someone who's very sensitive to what I absorb. Right. Yes. So like I can't watch just any movie. I just can't because yeah. I come out of it. And if I feel low, then like it stays with me. Completely. So I just like to go back to movies that I know 
are going to make me feel good. I have a very small amount of movies that I can watch that like I come out of and I'm like, oh my God, that was totally worth it. And I feel like I'm on a high. I'm a sensitive person to what I absorb and like I I feel energy like very easily. And so I like to, I don't know, curate my mood that way too. Yeah, it's important. And most of us are more sensitive, I think, than we give ourselves credit for. And we have more receptors and more intuition and we're a little more porous mm-hmm. is probably a good word than we like to admit. Yeah. But if you're constantly have your head in a screen or you're just going, 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 or you're just filling up on caffeine and then wine at night to make yourself go to bed, you know, you have all this stuff. You're a little less dialed in. But I think the more people slow down and pay attention, you can use that intuition and that sensitivity as a gift because it guides you. It guides you to the places, to the things that are going to not only bring you the most joy, but make you the most healthy, the most vibrant, the most alive, and kind of get you on your path more effortlessly. You don't have to push or force as hard. Things start to flow to you. Subtle, but important. So how does someone get in touch with their intuition? What do you say to people who are like, I don't have intuition? Yes, everyone has intuition. It's my belief that your internal guidance system, your natural knowing this instinctual intelligence. It is an innate gift that everyone is born with. And one of the ways that you can start to recognize it is you actually start flittering through the file folders of your past. And here's what I mean. Most of us have had the experience where we came to a crossroad and it might have been like, do I accept this job? Do I say yes to this project? Do I say yes to this relationship, whether it's a friend, a romantic situation, whatever. And there was something in us that was like a little red flag, a little alarm bell going off. But our ego overrode it because it sounded good or maybe the money was there or this person had a particular look or they were of a certain status and it was like, oh, I should want that. I should say yes to that. And then it turned out to be not so good. Mm -hmm. It cost you. Either it was a painful breakup or it was just the wrong situation or to extricate yourself from that was just a friggin' nightmare. That was your intuition talking. You just overrode it. And if you start to kind of look back in your past and pick up those breadcrumbs, you're like, oh, that's what my intuition sounds like. That's what it feels like. It's like this sinking feeling in my stomach or when I approach a decision, part of my body is pulling back or feeling contracted, but I have to force myself forward. So everyone has intuition. You just have to learn how yours speaks up and what it feels like. And I think a really good test Anyone could do this listening, by the way, and this is an exercise that I recommend to just experiment with and see how good it works. If you find yourself facing a decision that you're not sure if you are afraid of moving forward because it's kind of outside of your comfort zone, it would force you to grow, or if your intuition is sending like big flashing red signals like, don't do it, like this is a bad move. How do you tell the difference between your fear and your intuition? Should you say yes and grow or should you really save yourself and say no, thank you? Here's what you do. When you think about saying yes to this particular opportunity, it's almost like you try it on as though you were trying on a sweater in a dressing room. You close your eyes, you put your hand over your heart, and you really get still and present. And you say, does the idea of saying yes to this job, this person, this thing, make me feel expansive or contracted? Now, here's the thing. In the nanosecond after you ask yourself that question, does saying yes to this make me feel expansive or contracted? Your body has an instantaneous reaction. It's almost like a millisecond and it's so subtle, it's almost imperceptible. Expansive feels perhaps like 
whether your body's moving forward or the energy opens up or your shoulders drop and your chest lifts or your chin lifts, something in you feels like energetically it's moving forward. Even if you're scared, that's expansive. Contracted is where you feel a sense of dread in your belly or things crunch down, or even your head might subtly shake no, or some part of you feels like moving away. That's contracted. That's how you can start to feel the internal guidance system that you were born with and start to detect whether or not it's trying to help you move forward or pass on something that's in front of you. I love that trick because everyone can do it. Yes. And it, it takes a little practice. So anyone who is either a runner, a dancer, does yoga, someone who's embodied, who is really in touch with their body on a regular basis will probably have a little more ability quicker because you are embodied. Someone who sits around and doesn't really move all day, it might take a little more practice to start to feel into this. But this is where you don't necessarily go having to take a survey of all your friends of like, what do you think I should do? I don't know. What do you think? Mom and dad, what do I should eat? You don't have to do that. You are equipped with wisdom within you that will never steer you wrong. And if you can learn how to listen to it and pay attention to it, it's one of the greatest gifts that you will ever cultivate and recognize in your life. Okay. So I actually have a very specific question. Okay. Yeah. So I know you do your B school and it's like you you speak to a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. as well. So that's why I'm asking you this. So say, for example, you are in a situation where you have someone on your team, okay, or you need to hire for a role. Yes. And say the person that like the best candidate yep. is still not the best candidate, yep. you know, where you just know. Yep. Your intuition has told you that they're like not it, yep. but they will get the job done. Yep. Okay. And you really need the job done. Yep. What do you do then? Do you settle? So for me, this is my personal answer. It's a no. And it's mm. because, and this is this, and I'll give you the context on this. As an entrepreneur, the wrong hire is so much more expensive than the money. It's so much more expensive than the work that that person would have done. Having people on the team who are not the right fit for whatever reason, right? They can be an amazing human being. They could be so intelligent. They could be so kind. But for whatever reason, the chemistry and the skill set or a very a bunch of different things are not built for your business. They will cause havoc and they can take like an A player team down to a C team in a second. It can be like a toxic spill in your company that can take millions if not years, to repair. So here's the thing that we have to recognize. We're living in a culture that's all about speed and growth and hitting these numbers and hitting these targets and getting there faster and like being the one to like reach some weird finish line, whether it's an exit or a gajillion dollars or again, whatever the metrics that matter to you are. Mm -hmm. Most of those metrics are metrics for our ego. There are metrics that we have been conditioned to chase after and they are a lot of them competition-based, right? We want to be the best of the best. But when you start to have enough experience under your belt and you realize that some of the joy of business is actually in doing it, and what is more important than short-term gain is actually long-term sustainability, happiness, joy, creativity, the process, all of a sudden you have less fear about making those decisions. You're like, you know what? Okay, so we might not be able to reach that goal we set because we don't have a person to do that job because the right person isn't here yet. But what we do have is our sanity. What we do have is the health of our team. We're stability in our company because we don't have someone mucking up the works because there are, I hate to use this word, but it's the right phrase for this, like a bad apple in this mix. Does that make sense? We say in our company, juicy peaches only. 
Because you've had one that was right, that it's like, bless that person. You want the best for them, but they were not the right mix for your Exactly, team. exactly. And if you think about it, it's not worth that quote unquote short-term gain. So for me, I've learned the, hard, the lesson the hard way, right? So all, everything I'm sharing here comes from my own like mistakes mm-hmm. and my own pain of chasing something and going like, oh, that's let's just do it. Let's make that happen. And then maturity and experience gets you to the place where you're like, you know what? I am totally willing to dial down or pull back on that metric, that goal, that thing that we wanted to do because something's telling us we don't have that person and that's okay. You know, like if the lights are still on, if your company is healthy and thriving and you've got great profit margins and you've got some cash in the bank, that's why when it comes to business, I always like to, I never like to advise people to run on a shoestring. You know, like I'm always like, give yourself some good profit margin, give yourself some space. You don't have to rush it because it affords you the luxury of making wise choices and actually enjoying the journey. There's going to be enough bumps along the road (laughs) for all of us, right? That you cannot predict. That's just endemic to the nature of life and the nature of business. But you don't have to create more issues for yourself rushing or chasing egoic games. Honestly, I couldn't agree more. And so then what would you say to entrepreneurs who, for example, like have someone on their team who is no longer a fit? Maybe they're a bad apple. Like what do they do? I think it's important first to be really honest about that with yourself. If you have an HR manager or an HR department, then having that conversation about what is, for me, the best, most generous, most compassionate and respectful way to part ways. Mm -hmm. And as an entrepreneur, I've always opted, always opted to make my gestures on the more generous side. So if it's like an HR manager would say, oh, you know, you only have to give this person X amount of dollars or X amount of runway. I'm always looking at context and I'm always looking at how can I leave this person, even if they weren't the best fit for us, feeling great about the exit as great as possible. Because I know I'm like, I can always make more money. I can. Like I I just, that's my belief. There's always more where that came from. I know they're going to be hurt. I know it's a really challenging thing, but I want to give them the experience of feeling as respected as I can possibly do. I can't control how they feel, but I know that I can set the situation up to say, hey, this didn't work. Here's what we're doing. We wish you the best and we want you to thrive in your next adventure. It's the best way of parting ways with someone. Yeah. I want to zoom in on what you just said with money, right? Because I know it's a sensitive topic for people. And you said that I can always make more money. Yep. You have an abundance mentality when it comes to that. Were you always like this? No, because I grew up with a lot of scarcity. And so money was such a source of shame and pain and not enoughness throughout my childhood and throughout, honestly, like my early adulthood. And figuring out money was such a thing that I was committed to. You know, so quick story, my parents got divorced when I was about eight. And I remember being in my kitchen as a kid and watching my mom talk to her mom on the phone. And this is back when phones had like actual cords, right? Mm -hmm. So they're landlines. And she was crying her eyes out. My mom's a very kind of petite person. Her eyes were bloodshot and her face was really drawn. And she was, I'd never seen her so disheveled. And so she had lost 15 or 20 pounds. And it was just, it was scary. And she was screaming to her mom on the phone, like, I have nothing. I have nothing. She was losing it. And she hung up the phone from her mom and she bent down and she looked me eye to eye. She took me by the shoulders and she was like right with my height. And she shook me and she said, Marie ever, ever be stupid like I was. She's like, do you see me right now? I have nothing. Don't ever let a man, don't ever let anyone control your money. I need you to grow up. I need you to be independent. I need you to earn your own money. Do not be stupid like me. And I am telling you, 
at eight, like that changed me on a cellular level. It's jarring. It was like, whoa. And I made myself a promise in that moment. And this was the equation. I was like, not having enough money seems to take away love. Because my dad's an amazing human, by the way. P.S. My parents are still together. They got married and divorced like three times to each other. They're, that's a whole other story. God bless them. They're Again, they're in their 70s now. I love them so much. But it was fiery and spicy growing up. But I knew that not having enough money for me, that equated to love being taken away. And so I made myself a promise that I don't care what it takes. When I grow up to be an adult, I want to know how to earn so much money so that not, I don't care, like shoes, clothes, like fine. I, material, it's not that important to me at all. But I wanted to be able to create a context and an environment where money would never take love away again. And so I promised myself to figure out money. And in my early 20s, it was like I was so ridden in debt. I had no idea what was going on. And I made it my mission to get my money life handled. And now in my 40s, I love money. I love inspiring people to love money because I don't love money over values. I love money because it is an energy and a tool. And you can use that energy and tool for so much good. And there is no lack in the world. There really isn't. There's the perception of it. There's all different kinds of things that we could talk about. But from a scientific, factual perspective, there is more money now than there's ever been. And we all have the ability to generate more. So that's my perspective. on it. <laughs> so then when you were in your 20s and yeah. trying to figure it out, yes. and definitely we're not where you are today. Yes. How, like, what were the tangible steps? Like, what can you offer to someone who is currently in debt, who has yes. this mentality that, like, uh, there's not enough money or yep. money is evil or yep. just enough is fine? So so that's a that's a whole other conversation that I, I actually would love to get into. And that's something that I want to teach about because I have so much to share on this. But here's a few things. First of all, money is a total topic that you can figure out. So adopt this. Money is completely figure outable. So for me, I was in debt. And that's one of the things I knew I needed to figure out first was like, how do I get myself out of debt? And how do I start building long-term wealth? I would think I was making at that time, maybe $24,000 a year living in New York City, eating a lot of mac and cheese, <laughs> yeah. do you know, like that kind of thing. So get yourself financially educated. Know that no matter where you came from or where you are right now, money is one of the things that is so solvable. And there are so many great teachers. There are so many great books. You can get books from the library. You can listen to podcasts. And if you just choose one thing, like let's say for me it was dead, I was like, you know what I did? I actually created a poster on my wall. Have you ever seen those charity posters where it's almost like a thermometer and mm -hmm. they have a goal that they're going to set? Yeah. And every time that more money is raised, they kind of color in until you get to the top of the thermometer. I did that in reverse with my dad. So I put wow. my debt number up there and I drew it. And I know some people that might feel like really oppressive because they don't want to see their debt all the time. For me, for my DNA, it was very motivating because mm -hmm. I was bartending. I was waiting tables. I was just starting my coaching practice. And I would see my little, you know, debt thermometer and I'd be like, I'm going to pick up another bar shift. You know what? I'm going to go clean someone's toilets. I'm going to be a personal assistant. Like I got so excited about taking myself out of debt that it became very motivating. And I just started reading every book like back in the day. He's actually a good friend of mine now. This was one of the most monumental books. And it, I don't think it's dated. I actually think it still holds up. But Smart Women Finish Rich by David Bach. First of all, he's an amazing human being. I know him personally. I've known him for now decades. But that book was such an eye opener for me because it was about women and it was about money. And there was just so many different things that I related to. And I started just educating myself about basic personal finance and then made it my mission to get it handled. 
What can someone do to shift their ideology around money? Because sometimes we grow up and it's like money is almost demonized. Yes. I think this comes back to the earlier part of our conversation. This is why everything is figure outable for me is kind of like a meta belief in the Mm -hmm. world because you can plug anything into it including money. So if everything is figure outable, if you just play with that, try it before you deny it and adopt that as a true possibility, then you go, okay, well, if everything is figure outable, then money's figure outable. And it's possible for me to figure out how, how not to demonize this beautiful energy in life that for better or for worse, this is a part of our world. And so do you want to be at war with it or do you want to be at peace with it? Do you want to have more than enough, not only for yourself, for your family, your community, for those you love, or do you not? And that's a choice. So remember, we went back to the beginning. All beliefs are a choice and choices can be changed. We don't want to make our parents wrong or society wrong because they're honestly just parroting ideas and beliefs that were hand-me-down beliefs from generations before. So the notion that all money is evil, it's the root of all evil, you know, rich people are assholes. Like there's a gajillion. So many. So many, right? We could go down the list and down the list. But when you start to really think about that and you get curious enough to question it, you'll see that it's not necessarily true. Like I've met people on every end of the socioeconomic scale that are total buttheads. And I've also met other people on every level who are absolute angels. So what does that tell you? It's not about money. It's about the human. I also think that money is almost like a magnifying glass. Amplifier. Exactly. Because I've seen people with tremendous amounts of wealth who are doing incredible things for the world, like shifting just the way that things are happening, incredible amounts of philanthropy, like helping so many people and others who are like wrecking havoc. And same thing, you know, if you don't have money, you can be like literally like the kindest, most compassionate, good human. Yep. You can also be terrible. Exactly. Behaving. Yeah. And again, so it's not that's not the X factor. The X factor is who you are on the inside. And so I think the first step, it it is really realizing that there is another way to be and it is possible. Most people, if they tell the truth, like when I've spoken on stages, I love doing this too. When this conversation comes up, I'll often say, and there's like a thousand people in the room, I'll be like, I love money and silence. It's like people are like, is God going to strike her with a light? Like there's a lightning. Is she going to blow up in like two seconds? Right. Is can she is she allowed to say that? And all of a sudden I say, come on, don't you love money? And then people look around. They're like, yes. I'm like, say it. Like, see how good it feels to say I love money. They're like, oh, my God, I love it. I'm like, see, it opens up this whole world of possibility. And for me, when you think about loving money, how would you treat a human or a pet that you love? you would want to understand what makes them thrive. You would listen to them. You would respect them. You'd be interested in them. You would shower them like with affection and respect. So when you think about pouring that same type of energy onto your financial life, everything changes. You're like, oh, I'm not afraid of it. I'm actually interested in it. I want to understand what makes this energy thrive. I don't necessarily want to control it or hoard it. I want to see it flow. And we all understand for anything that we love, whether it's our significant other, it's a pet, anything, like your relationship with it is temporary. It's only while you're here on earth. So we're only stewards of this money while we're here on earth. So what would you like that relationship to be like? Do you want it to be filled with conflict and shame and scarcity and pain? Or do you want it to be filled with love and creativity and flow? and joy. And that's a choice. Oh my God. I love that analogy because I think people can really take something away from that. I know that when it comes to money, there is like so many people are like ostrich syndrome. You know, I'm not going to look because they're scared. They're scared. Yeah. And 
for me, this is like kind of crazy, but a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to really enjoy paying my bills. Yes. I am really going to love paying my bills. And things just shifted for me. It was like, I was no longer scared. Like, yes. It was this like. But it's not woo-woo. It, if you think about the energy that you put into anything or any relationship, the more kindness, the more enthusiasm, the more presence that you show up with, it does have a shift on physical reality. And one of the things that I did again, when it was like, I knew in my heart that there was more than enough to go around, even though there were single digits in my checking account. So my reality in the external world was still filled with scarcity and a lot of the patterning of the past. But my heart told me that there was another possibility and Mm -hmm. I wanted to live into that. I wanted to behave my way into the reality that I knew was there, even though it wasn't current. And so when I would pay my bills and write checks, this is again, back when we still wrote (laughs) checks and not everything was online yet. When I would write my checks out, I would say, and there's always more where that came from. Oh my God, I love that. There's always more where that came from. And I there would like I would do my best. And it was I wasn't perfect at it. And I certainly didn't always get it right. But I would do my best to imbue like a sense of gratitude and a sense of love and a sense of like, hey, this flew to me and now it's flowing through me to this. Thank you for my electricity. Thank you. Do you know what I mean? And then it also just made me more conscious of what I was spending so that I could really align my spending with my values. So I could really say yes to things that were a true yes for me and not say yes to things because I was chasing some egoic notion of how I wanted to look or who I wanted to keep up with or any of the BS that, you know, can get any of us in trouble. And it certainly got me in trouble for a while. Oh, my gosh. Okay, this is I think everyone can take so much away from that because I know that it's like such a tough topic. It's a pain point. And for so many of us and for also for so many women, we feel can feel so powerless around it. And, you know, in in my work, I've often had folks show up and say, Marie, I really want to do this experience with you, whatever the learning experience was. But I have to ask my husband for money or I have to get permission. And listen, I honor and respect everyone's choices, but I could feel from their comments and also from conversation that was not a pleasant choice for them. It was not the choice that they felt like they wanted to continue living into into the future. And I'm like, look, you can have an amazing relationship with your partner. You can have an amazing relationship in terms of money. And you can also have your own independence. So you make your own great decisions about how you want to invest your time, your energy, your money to forward your own life. I love that. Tell us about B-School. Oh, B-School is awesome. So B-School is an online training program. It's basically the online business school for modern entrepreneurs who want to make money and make a difference. So I started it over 14 years ago because wow. when I started my journey, yeah, we've had we've helped over 80,000 people start and grow their own businesses. Incredible. From like 650 industries and like 171 different countries. Wow. And the reason I started it was because when I started my business back in the year 2000, there wasn't a lot of educational information out there that one taught people an integrist, honest, creative way to do marketing and direct sales and and basically how to understand how to market and sell what they were offering, not in a slimy, sleazy way. And at the time, there were like 99% male teachers in the space. And I love men. I love everybody. But a lot of them I couldn't relate to. There was no kind of personality. There was no aesthetic. It wasn't beautiful. I actually know from your brand, right? It was like you were looking around to see like, wow, there's no one kind of doing these incredible, healthful, natural supplements with beautiful branding. Yeah. I felt that same way in business education. I'm like, why does everything have yellow highlighters and like no aesthetic? (laughs) 
<laughs> to you, you know, yeah. like it was horrible. Yeah. So anyway, so B-School is this incredible online program that helps people not only vet their ideas, understand what they want to do in a business, but learn how to market and sell. And if you want to make hundreds of thousands or millions or potentially exit, like you can do whatever you want, but we teach you how to get your idea out there and make the difference to the people that you were born to make a difference to. And then is there a community aspect there as well? Yeah, there is. So we we have incredible B-School mentor coaches and a lot of people like I've met folks are like, oh my God, I met my business partner in B-School. I got married. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. Yeah. Because there's just so many connections that happen kind of where we were talking about earlier. When you don't have other people to talk to about your business, it can feel really lonely. And then all of a sudden, when you're talking with other people who understand like conversions and opt-ins and all these different terms that can feel like a different language yeah. if you're not in entrepreneurship. Yeah. So there's a beautiful community aspect and it's just, it's extraordinary. I'm really proud of what we've done. Incredible. Okay. So before we wrap, I want to do a rapid fire round. Yes. Okay. So first question, what's one daily habit that you think people should adopt? I'm going to give you two. Yes. Meditation. As someone with ADHD, meditation is a thing that really helps my brain and my soul be present mm -hmm. to dancing. I don't think there's mm -hmm. anything more healing and more transformative than opening your body to the flow of life and getting your neuropathways like receptive, getting that joy flowing. Like I think it is so underestimated as a transformative tool. Oh my God. I love that. And also technical question, how long do you meditate for? And what are some ways that you recommend? So does it? I have done everything. I've learned all different kinds of meditation since I was 17. I've done TM. I think that can be very effective. And there's a teacher named Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh my God. Obsessed. Like Dr. Joe is the best. So he's become a friend. I think he's awesome. And so he has different meditations. Like one of his meditations is like a morning meditation that's 22 minutes. So based on what's happening in my day, how I'm feeling, he also has these little 15 minute ones. And then my best ones are sometimes his 40 or like even 75 minutes. But I will totally trust my body. Let's say if I go to a dance class in New York and I just took it out on the floor for an hour, hour and a half, I might not have the stamina to go like do another 40 minute meditation, but like the 15 one will do that day. On contrast, if I'm not going to dance, I'd be like, oh, I'm up for like a 40 minute med Like, let's do this. So it varies for me just based on how I feel. Love that. Okay. Second question. What is a book that changed your life? The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. It is a book that I would recommend to anyone. It's super slim. You can get it anywhere. You can probably read it in a few hours. And if you ever feel resistance around your own creative process, the whole I'm not ready yet, if you find yourself avoiding doing that very thing, that dream that's in your heart, read The War of Art. I read it at least once a year. It's phenomenal. Amazing. So people are leaving with book recommendations yes. too. Yes. And then last question, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? It would be to relax and not stress out and to trust and have faith that it's all going to turn out. I love that. It's a beautiful piece of advice. Tell everyone where they can find you. You can find me at Marie Forleo on Instagram, our website, marieforleo.com. It's M-A-R-I-E-F-O-R-L-E-O. And we have a great Tuesday newsletter that we send out every week that's full of inspiration and education and some little clips of advice. It's fun. I will be signing up for that. Thank you so much for being here, Marie. This Thank was a joy. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif Hyder. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. 
I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.